If you could go back in time and give yourself one sage piece of advice, what would it be? I'm Sam East, and this is Lessons to My Younger Self, the podcast. Science is rad. And even if you're not the textbook kind of smart that quickly grasps science, you're in luck because we have ASAP science to break it all down for us in a digestible format. If you don't know, the people behind ASAP Science are Greg Brown and Mitch Moffat. They are science communicators who've been making accessible content for the past decade on everything from climate change to mindless scrolling to why some people are just hornier. Yep, this is the ASAP Science intention to educate you. Yes, but also to make it fun. And it's edgy, quirky, pushing the definition of what traditional science education is kind of fun. It's a classroom that you actually want to be a part of. And that's not just some catchy tagline because they they have over 10 million followers on YouTube to back it up. Seriously, if teachers were like this in school, I might have changed career paths. But to give you an idea, here's just some of what they put out. Poppers are liquid inhalants occasionally sold as air fresheners or VHS cleaner. And many of us gay men sniff them. A big consistency I found about how to talk to climate change deniers is that you need to know your audience. This video is for people who accept the scientific consensus that human activity is causing global warming and therefore creating climate change. This video is gonna be a step-by-step process about how to talk to climate change deniers in order to convince them. Why does time feel faster as you age? One theory from a neurological perspective is that every single time you have a new experience, your brain is firing and using and creating more neurons so that it can record as much detail as possible. It's hard not to love Greg and Mitch, who by the way have been together like romantically, since their days studying biology at the University of Guelph. That's just an hour outside of Toronto if you're not familiar. I loved my conversation with Greg, where we got into the ASAP Science Shut It Off YouTube series on climate change and sustainability, how science and spirituality can coexist, how to thrive making content online, and the new generation of brilliant and diverse science communicators. I like to go back to the beginning with every single guest, since obviously it's lessons to my younger self. So can you take us back to young Greg? (laughs) What, like, paint that picture for us. Oh my God. I know. I feel like so many people have amazing memories of their childhood. And like, mine definitely started like grade six, grade seven. And like before that, niente, nothing. Really? But (laughs) so I know that as a kid, I just remember always feeling like, I was a bit of an outsider, super flaming kid, couldn't hide that I was gay. So I kind of had to just figure out how to like be myself. So I was kind of like weird and outgoing and I used humor to like survive. (laughs) So then fast forward to the University of Guelph days where you and Mitch meet (laughs) and this beautiful love blossoms. And, you know, at what point did you decide... That, that the science degrees that you both had and the passion that you both had was going to turn into your your brainchild, ASAP Science. Yeah, it really is a child. We always think about that. Like, <laughs> yeah. people are like, you guys can have kids. I'm like, we, we own have a one. house together and we have ASAP Science. Like, we have a kid. Like, we have <laughs> so much responsibility and it's like, and it's like a freaking, like, annoying YouTube kid. <laughs> <laughs> so my degree is in biochemistry and then my minor is in visual art. Hmm. I kind of never wanted to be fit into a box mm-hmm. when I was in university like I was obsessed with my science courses I loved learning what I was learning but all my friends were in the arts like mm. all the people I hung out with were obsessed with culture they were queer they were like 
in art degrees and acting drama degrees. So I had that dichotomy and it was sort of like, I would always just like get wasted with them and then be like, did you know, like this is what's happening in your body and like figuring out how to explain to them how cool science was because none of them like really cared. That was sort of where it started. Like Mitch also kind of has that, like he got the same degree as me, but he also loves musical theater. He loves video editing. Mm. So we kind of both had that story. And then when we left university, I went off to become a science teacher and I was a science teacher learning that the kids loved YouTube. Mitch loved visual editing. I loved drawing. He understood YouTubers. Like all these sort of things mm, were just like in storm. our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we're like, we're just gonna make a YouTube channel. It wasn't in any way an intention to like ever make money, ever have a PR career. It was a project for ourselves to not become stupid and mm. forcing ourselves to continue to learn science and read science journals because without university it's like am I ever going to read a freaking science journal like probably not and now 10 years later still doing it I have to read science journals every week so the intention is still there and it still keeps me knowledgeable but now it's like a freaking job and it's like oh my god it's so (laughs) it's just like it's crazy what happened it's super cool but it's unbelievable I read an interview Mitch did where he said it wasn't the videos about the big bang theory or or prostate cancer that initially got people's (laughs) attention it was the one on on the scientific power of naps, where things really started rolling for you too. And obviously those practical videos will get a lot of attention and help to grow your platform. But do you ever feel like you're sacrificing by holding back on the content you actually want to put out in order to give to give the people what they want? Not really. Like this, it was called to s- why you can see or hear the Big Bang. And I really do feel like Mitch, he did that one, was trying to do what the nap one was. He was trying to think like, what is like the coolest sort of tidbit Mm. that he'd learned? Mm -hmm. We were sort of going off of the lectures that we loved Mm. early on. Like, oh yeah, that nutrition lecture about alcohol. That was super cool. It was like why it makes you pee. That wasn't as viral as like the scientific hangover cure, which came like a month later. So we were sort of learning the proper way to pitch things. We've kind of never really sacrificed what it is we want to talk about. Mm. The key with YouTube, what's the most clickbaity over the top title thumbnail that gets people in there? Mm -hmm. How do you keep their attention for long enough that they're Mm -hmm. willing to sit back and learn the science? So I do really think that Big Bang intention was the same as the nap one. We just didn't know what we were doing yet. Then when the nap one took off, we were like, oh, there's something there. Like, that is way more visceral. Like, Mm. everyone likes to nap. The (laughs) See and hear the Big Bang. Now that video has like a million views, which is insane. It's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Like, our early (laughs) videos are disgusting. (laughs) They look awful. We did them in 10 minutes. They were pathetic. It was just like... You got to start somewhere, though. I know, but it was like, it's just like crazy because there's this liver that I drew that looks like like a turd, like full turd. Turds all over, no color markers. It was like brown, red, and black. It's, it's low budget. Yeah, like and we didn't even go, like there was truly no intention there. Like mm. now if someone makes a YouTube channel uh, out the get-go, they're like assuming or want it to do well. We were like, what's yeah. YouTube? Like it was, <laughs> they're so bad. There are videos that we do hope they're going to go viral and they're maybe not like our passion project. But like, to be honest, mm. it's such a mess out there. Like everything we think is going to do well doesn't. Everything we are, don't really care about goes crazy. I still don't know if we know how the internet works, but (laughs) (laughs) no one does. No No one one really does. does. Yeah. If anyone does, they're lying. They're lying. So many dudes who work in the internet business will try and tell you they know. We've been in many a meeting. They don't know. No, nobody knows. It changes every second. Yeah. But I mean, that being said, you clearly have an abundance of of support and admiration because, well, last I crept you, 
almost 10 million subscribers on YouTube, over 852,000 on TikTok, over 600K on Instagram. Was there or is there any resistance to the type of work that you put out? especially as as two gay creators in the science space. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, there totally is. In the beginning, so we call ourselves science communicators. I don't really need to if anyone's watching I did quotes there. I don't need two quotes. We're science communicators. We've learned <laughs> that is a job. There's lots mm-hmm. of them. It's an important job for society. Scientists are not that good at talking about their they're too smart, too in it. You need sort of the like liaisons to society. So like that's definitely what our job is and definitely like from the get-go just being gay and queer and interested in talking about sex and Mm -hmm. drugs and culture but people were like in the science youtube world which is like very male very bro-y were very like they just i could tell that they had like not something against us but maybe like kind of looked down on us a little bit and that was sort of like the beginning of this interesting thing that we've always now had to deal with which is that the science space is very well it's very white it's very male it's very if you think about who's told you science information in your life a british man's voice that's like not to drink david attenborough but it's like (laughs) it's like it's like a smart british intellectual white man Mm. is what we've been told is someone who is a nerd who knows enough to, to listen to. Women mm-hmm. deal with this. Like women in STEM is like a serious quote unquote hashtag that's like necessary because women deal with this. The fact that we're gay, we get sort of lumped into that. Like our femininity presents as we don't know what we're talking about. And then YouTube as an actual like platform has a serious issue with the fact that it is dominated by men. So it's predominantly men who use YouTube, which a lot of people don't know. Mm. Very serious. And then in the science space on men, we're constantly trying to combat and and get women on our channel. But the numbers are just like, it's just, it's just really hard. So we deal with so much homophobia, but we've really combated it. And we're like really proud of what we've done. Well, you should be proud of what you've done. I mean, 10 years in the game being science communicators. I imagine a lot of people come up to you and express the the sort of trail that you've blazed for them yeah like that's the that's the coolest part now that we've been doing it for 10 years is it's like so now i'm like old and like i like go to like the gay beach in toronto and there's just like these like adorable like well they're not kids but like yeah they're it's like 20. some cute guy yeah. comes up to yeah. me yeah and i'm like hey what's up and he's like oh my god i was like 13 when i saw your videos i'm like you're the reason i'm into science i'm like okay wow you're like 10 <laughs> years younger than me cool 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 <laughs> but they're like are this whole new generation of young people who want to be science communicators who are queer who are women who are trans who are mm. gay who like really were inspired by asap science and like that is fucking sick and we just also went to this like big climate change conference and we met all these like young activists who like did this really awesome protest against there was like a shell executive there which was so stupid anyways it was a really bad poorly organized part of the conference and these kids did this full protest and we went to them like after at the party and they were like asap science radicalized us like the only reason i like joined this like movement and like fridays for future was because of your literal show and you telling me to skip school and i was like oh my god this is like the coolest thing I've ever heard it was like honestly like probably 20 kids who said ASAP science radicalized them to like essentially like protest and fight for the climate crisis that's the stuff where I'm like this is amazing they were also so smart and I thought they were 20 and they were 16 like everyone's just so young (laughs) but it does feel like we've sort of at least paved the way for 
some other types of people to totally do this. And like, that is good. And it will change. Mm -hmm. And I already see that it is changing. Yeah. I mean, if this much has happened in your nine, 10 years of doing this, imagine what's going to happen in 10 more years. Yes, exactly. Because they're going to influence mm-hmm. TikTok. I see it all the time. There's such amazing young science creators who are drag queens, who are queer. Yes. Everyone freaking loves them. So it's like, I see it happening and it's just like, it's the best. It's honestly the best. It obviously goes without saying we've been talking about YouTube and platforms that your work lives online primarily. You're constantly yeah. creating, <laughs> you're constantly putting out. I, I'm wondering if you can um, shed some light on this because most of my work lives online as well. And that's the hmm. case for so many people like you were talking about. I can feel the pangs of attachment to the the validation that rolls in with the comments and the likes mm-hmm. and, and just the feedback in general that you get from being on social media, you know, constantly checking to see what what traction is on a post that you just put out. Yeah. Is, is that something you feel too? And maybe you can explain what might be happening in our brains when we seek out validation on social media. Yeah. So I think uh, like we're all living through like a pretty intense time in like human history, like it's no fault on anyone if they feel the pain, the anxiety, the joy, the constant need for validation. Like, I think it's okay to just accept that everyone, even your mom, even like your niece, who's probably six is starting. Like, we're all just like alive at this like insane technological time. So I do obviously feel that way. And I just think it's not even just because I'm a YouTuber. I think everyone's having to deal with this. And and I think we're sort of knowing these companies that have hijacked like the reward circuitry of our brain. So it's like every time you get a like, like literal notifications and like this, this concept of the number, like the, even the use of like a red number on an iPhone is like designed to like release dopamine. It's a specific reward pathway in your brain. It's the same pathway when you eat junk food, mm. which is also an industry that, hijacked our brain because it's like obviously if you eat the same calories of Doritos versus same calories of celery the Doritos taste amazing that's because of fat that's because of carbs it's because of a designed mechanism to like hijack our bodies Mm. like it's the same concept that these companies have used and it's novelty seeking like every time you get a really easy novel ding push whatever like you're just releasing Instant gratification is just it's hormones in your brain getting released and they're addictive. Like we know that like that's why we can't just eat one chip. It's why people get addicted to cocaine. Like it's all in the same neuro anatomy of your brain that these things are happening. So like anything like it can be good, but like in moderation, it's very addictive. So I think it's important to remember that it is just a physiological process in your brain. It Mm. is a slippery slope. And so if it's in any way like negatively impacting your life, then definitely think about curbing it or like how to deal with it. But a lot of people have very healthy relationships with it as well. It's not all bad. Mm -hmm. There's interesting studies about how people are a lot more depressed if they passively use social media. People who actively use social media and manage to like scroll less are actually a lot happier. If you can use it as a creative device, if you can post more, if you can find what you're interested in and scroll less, you will feel better. There's some interesting like research to also explain why if you're going to scroll mm. all day, like maybe it's good to post too, like cuz it's like you're engaged. Yeah, you're engaged. Yeah. It's not and you're being creative and you're working and your brain's working and you're not as long as it's not just for the validation, but like and it's it's harder for women based on studies. Yeah, we've really we've really lived through on YouTube. Like we thought that 
technology was going to like save the world and information was going to like make everything better. And then about six years ago, it was like, oh, okay, never mind. Like this is all hell and these companies <laughs> need, to get, need to be fully regulated. Like this is insane. But it's interesting <laughs> that you offer the counterpoint because anything you hear about social media, social media is the villain. That is the enemy. And uh, we need to do everything we can to curb our use on it. So it's an interesting point that you bring up that it's not all evil. Yeah, and the, and I I think the active versus passive mm. studies that I read changed my life, I guess, in many ways, where mm. it's like, I feel the most depressed with social media when I'm tired and I'm just on it, and then an hour goes by, and I'm like, what the hell mm. did I just do? Like, I just learned nothing. I just went on TikTok or Instagram. Like, it's so stupid. But if I'm, like, writing, thinking of something to post, posting it, mm-hmm. thinking that I thought it was good, I'm actually kind of like, ooh, I love Instagram. I love TikTok. I love YouTube. Like, it's interesting how I feel like that really is something that is valuable for people to know. Mm -hmm. And if you're not someone who posts and you're not interested in posting, maybe you should then be careful about how much you're consuming. The last two years of this pandemic has been an interesting time for science, right? I imagine where... (laughs) Science is either adored and revered and and looked to, or on the other hand, the other side of the spectrum here, it's really questioned and disrespected and disregarded. I mean, (laughs) and it's become hostile in a lot of spaces too. Do you ever subscribe or even get curious about, you know, the conspiracy theories that attempt to dispute or debunk science? Oh my God. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm like obsessed with them because it's just like fascinating. It's so weird. Like when you're seeped in science your whole life, like Mm -hmm. I've just... Ever since I was in high school, I loved my science teachers, loved science. So you do have a base knowledge that you've just like worked, like created for so long. So like, I have to remember that. Like I have this like fundamental knowledge of like how cells and vaccines like work. Mm. So like, that's like one thing that I sometimes I'm like, that's why I become obsessed with them. Cause I'm like, how the hell is this taking off? Conspiracy theories, like the science behind them mm-hmm. is that they essentially feel it's hard thing to study because it's kind of like social science psychology. You can't really attack it from much outside of psychology, but but it's it's like a sense that the world and life is out of their control. Mm. It's a lot easier to paint reality with a conspiracy theory that's a bit more simple than like the nuance of our world and science. It can help make your life feel like you're just in a little bit more control. Like you actually know what's going on. Like it it can like be grounding in some ways, which I think is important to like realize it's like, they're not like evil or bad people. They're, they're probably like struggling in their own way. And this is a really easy way for them to feel like they have some control over the world, which we don't, we don't have any control over anything. Like yeah. <laughs> that's the laws of nature, the laws of nature in this universe. It's like, we have no control over you just it. Just really. surrender like, to it. <laughs> yeah. Like it meant like there's like quantum theories. Yeah. Everything is just going to happen the way it's supposed to based on the laws of nature. Like mm. you have zero control. Like that's like a thought process that scientific people like hold. You can't really combat them emotionally. Cause it just makes them even more biased. Like Really, you have to learn how to listen and meet people with like the empathy that you can have. Vaccines, for the most part, people are actually worried about their own health or their kids' health. Mm -hmm. So how can you like actually get it to them that like a vaccine is going to be the thing that's going to make them healthier? Like you can't just yell. And that's just like an issue with social media too. It like lends itself to yelling. Mm -hmm. And so 
it's it's sad it's hard but like for us we try to be empathetic and a lot of the science that you actually read about these things makes you empathetic it makes you realize like mm. okay these people are struggling in their own way we're all it's not to be like high and mighty we're also all struggling yeah. But I get how science has grounded me in my life because I have learned it for so many years. If I didn't understand the things I know, yeah, who knows what I would believe because it'd be easy to be swayed by whatever thing. Obviously, I appreciate when people just like believe scientists and it's very important <laughs> that we trust. do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just like take their <laughs> word for it because they are so smart. But like a, a vaccine hesitant study I read least recently what you're supposed to do is if someone in your life is vaccine hesitant you're not supposed to say anti-vaxxers again it kind of makes it others like, them um, others them mm. you say on a scale of like zero to ten ten being like me run to get the vaccine so ecstatic party after mm. zero being will never get the vaccine even if you like paid me a million dollars like where do you fall and for the most part people who are vaccine hesitant will fall around like a two or a three like they're not saying they will never they're just like worried right now mm -hmm. about the covid vaccine then you say, why aren't you a zero? Like, tell me why you're a two or a three. And it forces them to sort of tell you the positive things that they can gather about it. And mm. then that's what you talk to them about. Mm -hmm. You don't ever talk to them about why they're vaccine hesitant. You use that scale to get them to explain to you why they probably are like nervous, but might get it. And they'd mm -hmm. be like, oh, why might you get it? And then they might start explaining, oh, well, you know, the polio vaccine saved us. And you're just like, oh, yeah, it did kind of just go from there. It's like a, it's, it's tangible advice that I think it's worth people understanding. What you said can apply to beyond the vaccine talk and, and the COVID talk as well to any situation where someone uh, is challenging you and your beliefs, especially regarding science. It's more about getting curious about it to yeah, kind of foster true. that understanding for this person. Totally. It's like it's like you're getting more into the nuance of their beliefs rather than just assuming they believe something because they don't really want the vaccine. It's like a sliding scale making you realize like nothing's black and white. Therefore, mm -hmm. let's approach this conversation with like a bit more nuance. Do you consider yourself spiritual? Because I, I don't know if it's a generational thing or what it is, but I'm coming across more and more people around our age who really stay far away from spirituality as they would rather subscribe to science and, and data and hard facts. So do you think spirituality and science can coexist and how can they coexist? Yeah, for sure. Like, I, that's interesting. Like, I feel like the more I understand, like, again, I do, I'm not a physicist. Mm -hmm. I do everything I can to understand physics. I do everything I can to understand like quantum mechanics, like constantly reading books about these things because I just don't like obsessed with it but it's like I'm not a physicist and I like totally wish I was but the more I learn about those things the more I would never subscribe to that kind of intense mm. like thing that you're saying your friends have because you you eventually get to the to what we don't know there's always going to be room for some aspect of spirituality there because that is the fundamental like thing that no one alive will ever be able to say is like why we're here how mm. we got here what was the big bang like yeah sure it was an explosion and sure with telescopes you're essentially looking back in time and you can see millions of years after the big bang and you can see it's just like galaxies like colliding and like black holes that's all real mm -hmm. and like the universe might like dissipate have a heat death as they say but it's like that's still not answering like the fundamental question like of why we're here mm. and I think there will always be room for interpretation spiritual ways to like justify that for yourself mm -hmm. slash just spirituality to me and science is like what I was kind of saying it was like about being grateful it was about mm. being like 
just sort of like looking at like the joy of like but there's almost like this something when someone has that opinion that's a little bit like do you even know what you're saying or are you Mm. subscribing to like an opinion that you think smart people have like also there's like these crazy quantum physicists who are like fully religious and Mm -hmm. stuff and you're like obviously there's something going on here like we've met some incredibly smart mathematicians who are like fully like Sunday Jesus Bible thumping people and you're just like hmm. so obviously if they can do it like mm-hmm. something's you know what I mean like it's not something's like beyond every the hard facts the hard data crazy when like some quantum physicist is like fully like loves Jesus you're just like wow <laughs> like okay Didn't see that like coming. if they can do it like then we can't just say that like yeah anyways they're like way smarter than me and they believe in God so like what I'm not gonna ever <laughs> say that I know more than them <laughs> We have to talk about your series on YouTube called Shut It Off ASAP, uh, where you and Mitch, you're roughing it, you're off the grid. (laughs) You're basically doing the unlearning, really, of how we can function in the world. And then you're relearning new ways to be sustainable. Like you're doing things like using pee to power your phone. Disgusting. It's (laughs) disgusting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I saw a a Bloomberg piece on why climate science doesn't go viral on YouTube. Now, I'm sure you're aware of things like this. Despite Mm. being aware of this and the challenges that might be ahead of you, why is it important for you to keep putting out this content? Okay, so, like, the reason it's important is, like, everyone listen up. Like, <laughs> like we're in a climate crisis. Yep. And either humanity falls, <laughs> becomes devastating. Like, this earth will be fine. Mm. There will be evolution and there will be constant life on earth. I, there's no doubt in my mind that will happen. Mm-hmm. But I really do feel like it's sort of right now in human history where it's we have a serious decision a serious crisis that will either wipe out humans or at least make the ability to live on our planet maybe have peaked in the 90s you know what I mean like it's like I genuinely feel like that so that's where the like motivation to do these things are is because it's like I think right now if we don't get this right it's just going to be I think there's a potential where we live through a really awful awful time and leave a really horrible future for all the children of the world, regardless of your affluence. Mm. I think that that's like a not a hyperbolic thing to say anymore at this point, which is very scary. It's like if you listen to scientists throughout history, they invented antibiotics, you know, they invented vaccines. They definitely made life better. Mm -hmm. And now every scientist is like, okay, if we don't do this, life's going to get worse. So like you can trust them. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I think a lot of people are like, well, things always get better. It's like, well, no, now every scientist is saying that's not the case. So Mm -hmm. like we seriously need to listen to them. Mm -hmm. So that's the motivation. And that's why we constantly are not shying away from making these videos. But the, the intention of this show was to make a show about the climate crisis that wasn't devastating that was entertaining, that was funny, but you were still learning the fundamental principles of science and the laws of nature in regards to the climate crisis. So you leave watching them, knowing so much, Mm -hmm. understanding and being inspired to be sustainable, but you're not just being told how bad things are because I think that's something that personally I'm like, I enjoy, I love a devastating climate change book, (laughs) but I'm realizing that there's a lot of eco-anxiety and like I think young kids deserve more than just this like, Oh, sorry. Mm, messed up the world. See ya, kids. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like there's a lot of that. That was the intention. We in no way thought YouTube was willing to fund us. Thank you, YouTube. But in no way was this like, this is going to go viral. This was like an experiment for us to see if it was even possible. Mm. We feel proud of it because I feel like it ended up 
doing what we intended it to do. But the whole time we were filming it, we're like, this is how, like, this sucks. Like, is this going to work? Like, <laughs> I think it was a lot better than we thought it would be. But it still is up against that same thing, which is that people, it's just like, we have to teach you about electricity. Like, sorry. <laughs> we have to teach you about, you know, like, where your power comes from, where your food comes from. These are all really, like, intense things, and they're all very like, complicated. But I don't think that it does have the potential to go viral the way other things would just because of the nature of what we're talking about. And and I think that's a, that's a true issue. Like, that's what that piece is about. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you talk about the climate crisis in a way that people actually want to? Because we all want entertainment, and we're all scared. And, yeah, it's hard. Well, I, I watched the first episode, and... I mean, for anyone listening to this right now, it feels like you're watching uh, a reality show. So yeah, it's supposed to be like Paris and Nicole kind of simple, yes, simple life vibes, yeah. simple <laughs> yeah. life vibes. But that that's really, you know, at the core of everything you do. When I when I watch your stuff and I can't even remember the first video it was that got me hooked on you guys. But it's like you're a part of a classroom that you want to attend. You don't. Oh, that's so sweet. But it's the truth. I mean, I've never. I'm always interested in in this type of content anyway, but the way that you guys execute it, it's something you don't feel is like mandatory learning, even though it is mandatory learning, (laughs) but it's something you want to tune into all the time on your own accord. That's our intention. Like we all, and and we feel really lucky. Like we don't have to follow a curriculum. Like Mm -hmm. I was a teacher. Like I know how hard that is. Like it's like, you have to teach a grade nine kid what an atom is. Like that's hard. Like (laughs) we get to start with things that people are interested in. Like, our most recent viral video was like, what happens when you quit porn? Yes, but it's like I all about that. like neurophysiology. I'm just essentially yeah. teaching you about how your brain works. But like, you can't teach a class on that. Like there are mm. like, there are some things that we just like genuinely are grateful for the ability to like, you know, make a episode about porn and not get like fired from our teaching job. <laughs> no. So it's like, we lean into it. We're like, no, we are like the queer guys who want to talk about drugs. Like we love to party. We love to like laugh like I do comedy in Toronto I love Mm -hmm. to like be subversive like there's lots of and like that's our that's our asset and it that's probably why it works that way that people are like oh this is a fun class it's like yeah because it's like a little bit like inappropriate (laughs) at times but but the science is always there so I asked some of the listeners of the podcast to send in some questions that they may have for you this one stuck out to me though oh my god cool hey Greg I love what you and Mitch do. I'm obsessed with ASAP science. I want to start putting myself out there, but my question is about trolls. I know if you put yourself out there, there's a good chance people will have mean comments. Would you be able to explain what is going on in someone's brain when they decide to leave a mean comment? Oh my God, that's so funny. Like going outside someone's brain, it's like, oh my God, I have so many theories. Like <laughs> okay, they yeah, let's suck. Hear it. Like that they <laughs> literally suck. Okay. <laughs> well, it's so, it's always baffles me. Like even this new show that we did, like we're so ourselves, much more ourselves in it. So I just went on today and it's starting to get promoted. Everyone's like, fruity, like turn down the fruit level. Like, whoa, didn't know they were so fruity. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like, grade seven so like sometimes <laughs> in my head i'm like oh they're in grade seven yeah, like, like sometimes 12. i'm like i'm like there's a chance that they're literally in grade seven like sometimes they write <laughs> things that are like so homophobic but the grammar i'm like the kid's 12 mm-hmm, like you know like mm-hmm. there's a little bit of that where i'm like i can only assume they're literally children <laughs> so like maybe the troll coming after you is like not a fully developed brain <laughs> and that's not even a drag it's like they're that's actually the a child yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I can think of any of the times that I have been negative in my life to someone or been mean to someone. It's always been out of my own insecurity. Like that to me is again, a sociology psychology experiment, not a real hard science experiment, but I'm like, it feels like a law of nature, at least in my life where it's like, if I'm mean or I'm judgmental or I'm doing something, it's like, I can always trace it back to that like root insecurity, Mm. that root, like, issue that I'm having and I'm like taking it out subtly to be mean to someone. So there's always that in my head where I'm just like, this person obviously has like, has some sort of issue, like, Mm -hmm. or else they wouldn't comment this. Mm -hmm. But then (laughs) at the same time, I do think it's okay to also understand that people can have valid criticism. So like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to just always assume everyone's saying something negative about what we've done is coming from that place if I'm reading it and I'm like, wow, this is a valid concern. So we've Mm -hmm. had serious videos that people have serious concerns about and I've like, okay, like we made a video about skincare, the science of skincare, and it's like anti-aging as wrinkles is like a white person thing because a lot of people who aren't white when they age, they have different issues like whether it's like their skin blots or it was like every time we were saying anti-aging, we were just assuming it was wrinkles. Mm-hmm. So like there was a lot of comments from beauty people on that being like, this is not right. Like anti-aging is more than just wrinkles. You can't just say the same thing. That's a white, like things like that where you're like, holy mm-hmm. shit. Like I didn't even think about that. Um, that's just one example of like many where people have valid criticisms. We've taken videos down. We've mm-hmm. changed videos. I, I do think that it's like, okay. And there should still be discourse online, but then trolls, I guess is what you're saying. And it's like, I can mm-hmm. only assume that's coming from like a negative place on their part. And then it's easy to just brush it off. That's like another thing I've been blessed with. I'm kind of like loser, move on. Whereas <laughs> Mitch sometimes can get like pretty upset. Like this is hard to hear. With all the experiences in your life <laughs> leading up to this, and you can go back and talk to younger Greg, whether that's Greg uh-huh. uh, growing up as a kid, as a 20 something at Guelph uh, or even last week. It doesn't matter. Whatever version. What is something you would pass on to younger Greg? It would be something along those lines of like any of that, like sort of insecurity or fear that you have, like will dissipate if you're just yourself mm-hmm. and like that. There's so much power there and like, you will harness it. Cause even still now, even last week, it's like, Oh, I'm a mess. I suck. And it's just like, no, like there's always gonna, you're always going to have that. Yeah. Honestly, it is kind of like stay curious too. Like I think my curiosity is something that when I was younger was a little bit, yeah, like nerdy made fun of, but I always loved. But now that I'm older, I'm like being curious is so beautiful. Mm. It just makes you understand the world makes everything more interesting, but also makes people like gravitate towards you. Like, you have to be curious about people in order for them to be interested in you. And you got to learn like next time you have a conversation, just ask a bunch of questions mm-hmm. from someone. You get to learn a bunch of shit and they're going to love you mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like people like to talk about themselves. Yep. And so like being actively curious and just taking every opportunity as like a person giving you their lived experience and realizing that is so val- valuable. That is so interesting. Like, goes both ways and then maybe you can make out with them after because they're gonna like you (laughs) (laughs) that was the plot twist i didn't see coming yeah the plot twist is like if they're cute like then you consently you consently say do you want to make out and they might say yes perfect segue i love (laughs) that thank you so so much that was amazing thank you that was so fun i honestly love that his energy is the best you can follow asap science on all the platforms and 
check the episode description for Greg's social handles. You could also follow me at underscore Sam East. Next episode, the amazing sexologist and relationship expert, Dr. Jess O'Reilly, is back to talk about attachment styles. That's next week on the Lessons to My Younger Self podcast. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share if you feel so inclined. I'm Sam East. Thank you for listening. 